welcome back to Beauty from the Heart. I'm your host, Rose Gallagher, and in this podcast, I'm going to share personal journeys and inspiring stories from people within the beauty industry. I am so delighted to welcome you back to Series 2 with a lovely friend of mine, makeup artist Hannah Martin. There are so many incredible things I could tell you about Hannah. Um, She's one of the industry's most well-respected makeup artists and her work spans just about everything. So for years, she worked at Bobbi Brown with Bobbi Brown herself as part of the global leadership team. She teaches makeup. She's done masterclasses for the likes of the Delamar Academy or IMAT or even publications like Vogue. Um, While we're speaking of Vogue, she actually did beauty director Jess Diner's wedding makeup in fact um, she's got her own podcast Life and Lipstick with another one of our friends Lisa Potter Dixon and most recently she joined the TV show 10 Years Younger as their resident makeup artist now I could go on but I think it's about time that we welcomed Hannah to the show so good morning Hannah morning my darling Um, We've had quite the morning because we could probably have recorded about three podcasts before we got going. That's it. And I but I feel like there's so much more we can revisit from our chat earlier. Yeah. But we just had to (laughs) crack on with the job in hand. That was it. We did get a bit. And when I opened the door, I said, we have to remember we've got a job to do today and that's record the podcast because quite frankly babe we could have kept chatting and you'd have had to go on to get your train. And yet here we are (laughs) already running late. (laughs) Um, so Hannah and I met many years ago when I used to work at Selfridges and she used to work at Bobby Brown. We were trying to pinpoint earlier on the exact moment, but neither of us can quite no. put a finger on it. Um, but just to start kind of talking a little bit about your career, um, how long were you with Bobby Brown for and how long did you work with Bobby herself? Mm, so I was with the brand for 12 years, um, which is mad considering when I joined the company, I assumed I'd be with them for a year. Really? I was like, yeah, I was like, I just need an actual job. I need a salary for a little bit. I want to work with a makeup brand that I love, but yeah. whose discount I can rinse Absolutely. to build my kit up. Yeah. Um, and accidentally, 12 years later, still there. <laughs> I was still there. Um, but I worked on the shop floor for three years mm-hmm. as a manager in one of the studios or in a couple of studios. Then I joined the pro team. So I did that for, what's the maths? Nine years. That's insane. Wow. Um, and then the last three or four of those, I was like the senior pro artist, then promoted to artistry manager. And I would say it was pretty early on in the pro team days that I started working with Bobby Brown, the woman. Yes. But actually, the very first time I worked with her was back in 2007 on Lorraine. So she ah. was coming over to the UK. She was doing a, a little segment on three models about... Um, looking your best in your 40s, 50s and 60s. And I was working backstage with her then. And I mean, she clearly has a lot of love for you because even the last time the two of us were with her a few weeks ago, I had said to her, because she's also a guest on this series Mm. of the podcast, I said to her, right, if you could trust anybody to do your makeup, who would you pick? And the only person she said was you. Oh, isn't that lovely isn't it it? yeah that's very sweet but I suppose to take it back to the very beginning Mm. so that was your kind of um one of the roles that people really know you for Mm. but what was the start of your complete journey into makeup so 
my journey was really like I took the back road put it that way let's talk about the back road (laughs) so as uh, like at school I really struggled academically um but I did excel in kind of everything extracurricular whether it was sport music drama you name it so that's what I really focused on so I think there was this assumption that I'd be an actor and I totally lived up to that and was working towards that and then I didn't I didn't get accepted anywhere so I applied to kind of really quite traditional old school drama schools yeah um, and they were all like oh and I I'm, I still look young for my age now but I you looked do, yeah. ridiculously young for my age at 17 I could have been 12 and they all said the same thing they're like oh you're really commercial like if you're serious about this go away and get some life experience and come back to acting later so I was basically at 17 18 had this massive rejection and had to quickly think of a plan b so in the in the kind of three weeks before leaving school and kind of working out what I was doing in September I found a job working as a gap year assistant at a school I then in that time had some careers guidance counselling they said you've got the the best attributes to be a nurse I said that's fine I went to uni I did nursing I was miserable I hated it but I was always happiest when I was doing makeup whether it was my guy mates Halloween makeup or um I remember we bunked off uni one day with my best friend, uni friend Holly, and we did this whole photo shoot makeover day, which she then had turned into this wicked Andy Warhol print. Oh, amazing. And then I worked with the Drama Society and basically through a really weird back route, I just, I realised, oh my gosh, if someone had told me seven years ago, I could actually be a makeup artist. As a job. That would have made complete sense. It's so funny you should say that because... I fell into makeup at uni Uh and I think uni is actually a time when you are doing your makeup a lot. Everyone gets into Halloween. Everyone's always going on nights out instead of going to uni, let's be honest. So you're always doing your makeup for something. And it's just so interesting because makeup lends itself to lots of these different creative pursuits Mm. so that is so funny I never knew that story that that's kind of where it was all ignited but then and also it's really funny because looking now at how immersed in makeup you are and how well known you are within the makeup world it's just so funny that it wasn't a very traditional straightforward route that got you there right which is often the way so true um but to be honest one of the reasons I know I've mentioned to you that I wanted to talk to mm. you today is everyone knows and loves you for makeup and makeup is the reason that we became friends and how we met but having known you for a long time I know that one of the most important things to you and something that's really special to you in your life is the relationship you had with your mom Mm, mm. and I find it really um lovely how so many people that follow you or keep up with you they love hearing what you're up to at work but really they love hearing about your family life whether it's Simon and the kids Mm. whether it's the memories you share of your mom Mm. um so really I just wanted to ask you a bit about her today so would you mind to just tell us a little bit about your mom yeah of course so my mom I'm trying to 
There's a picture of her here by the kettle. I saw it and then it goes over here. And do you know what? I love that picture because... So there's a picture that Rose is talking to with my sister and I and my mum at my cousin's wedding. Mm -hmm. And this was in the December before she passed away. Mm -hmm. And I think we were all quite aware that this was probably the last family wedding that she'd be well enough to be at. And um, she'd been really unwell in the run-up. And actually, I often joke, because I love the picture, but she'd hate it because she was so beautiful. But she's got a really swollen, steroid face in that picture. Right. Um, But we weren't sure how much she'd be able to attend or whatever. So there was kind of loads of allowances made. So there was a bedroom for her if she needed to go lie down and rest and blah 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 she danced all night long and it was just oh it was just a really happy joyous family memory and that's why that picture is so special but my mum was a pocket rocket like universally adored yeah she was five foot really petite really sweet a smile that would just light up the room a cackle that had everyone in hysterics you've said that about her laugh before yeah and she just was kind of quite a magnetic personality so people were drawn to her and she just gave of herself all the time and I mean people took advantage of that um but she yeah she was just this effervescent bubbly adored powerhouse of a woman and so I mean your family you always speak about you're all so close and I know that around around the time your career was really taking off and you were juggling all of these amazing opportunities that also coincided with her being unwell yeah um what was that time in your life like man it was so it was so confusing Mm. because actually Rose the very day I was called to say I'd got this promotion at Bobby Brown, that was at like, I had a phone call at seven o'clock in the morning to confirm the news. Brilliant. At midday, I was standing outside Fenwick of Bond Street, just about to head into a late shift. So it must have been a Thursday. And my sister called and confirmed that it was, mum had cancer and that it wasn't, wasn't a great prognosis. And I remember just being like, I've gone from, utter elation this morning to to kind of blank black terror and then I you know I sobbed on the street for like five minutes and then I was like ah like crap I'm gonna be late for work so kind of got into work and stood there on the shop floor and I didn't know what to do with myself I was in such inner panic Oh, it was it was awful, and you know, so many weird. Because my mum was what she lived. I think it was eighteen months from diagnosis till she passed away, and in that time, yeah, like even my, my headshots, for example, for this new role, they were like, "Great, you've got your headshots next week." And I was like, "Oh, crumbs, okay." Went to the photographer studio, and his mum had gone through cancer, and the walls were covered in photos of her journey. So, like. Oh my with gosh. all the lasers on from her radiotherapy, like sat in the hospital chair with the chemo in her arm, whatever. And I was just, it was such a like kick in the chest. A fi- yeah. It was a physical kick in the chest. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't let anyone down. I can't cry. I can't freak out about this. I've got to sit and smile and try and get the best headshot I can. But internally there was this again this kind of blind panic going on under the surface because 
I was confronted with images of kind of what I knew my mum was about to face and then you know throughout different things that we touched on this earlier didn't we babe but you know I'd be away in Ireland and get a text saying seen the consultants today bad news blah 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 and you're like okay oh my gosh I just want to cry and curl up in a corner but you've got a masterclass to host a masterclass to host yeah or I remember being um Britain's next top model and mum writing a message and she would often call rather than message yeah so actually we knew a message was bad because it meant she couldn't say it and she shared then that there had been plans to do massive invasive surgery to try and remove some of the tumors but it would have meant you know cracking her sternum opening up her ribs it would have been major and quite rightly her care team decided that it wasn't worth it and that she shouldn't have the surgery whereas I think as her daughters we were totally hoping she would have the surgery because it might prolong her life a little bit yeah Um, and she wrote that text and I remember I was practicing the look of the models which was a really difficult flick and I saw the text pop up and it was before I knew how to turn it just to the name. And I saw the kind of the first the half and it was like, my darling girls, I hate to tell you, but it's been decided I won't go ahead with the surgery, whatever. And that moment where you just break a little bit. And I remember feeling sick. I remember my hands started tingling, I think because my body had gone into a bit of shock. Yeah. And being like, crap, this is my moment to shine with this fancy pants makeup. But I've just inadvertently seen the worst news possible. And I think actually all those different incidences over that time built up and therefore I had a really tough time when she did pass away because I felt like because of my role and the performance aspect of it, there wasn't time to process all the bad news as it came. Does that make sense? Of course. And I think, I mean, I know we touched on this before we kind of started talking here but it can be very overwhelming when you work in a role where you need to be switched on and full of beans. And I've had it before. I had it just a few weeks ago where I had some very bad news before I had to address a room full of 110 people. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's very overwhelming is probably the word I would use. Mm. So you'd gone on this journey, you were balancing the two things. Mm. And at that time, did you, did you discuss it with anybody or did you literally just say, I need to power through this if I'm going to get everything done? Did anyone at work know, I suppose is what I'm saying, like through the day, would you be able to go, oh my gosh, I've just had this news or would it be, I will save it until I have a chat with my sister later on? I think it was the latter purely because in the role I was in, you know, I was on the road every day. So I was in a different place most days and actually my job on those event days was to go into that store hype to, up. to hype up the team to really motivate them and inspire them and then also give of myself to the women who'd booked in to meet with me and kind of have my have me share my expert tips or whatever yeah so I absolutely a I didn't have anyone to talk to in that moment but yeah. also I couldn't allow myself to think about it because there's absolutely no way if I engaged with what I was feeling that I'd be able to function no so actually in that time there was a lot of suppressed grief and my sister still says to this day like you you were in denial you were in denial and I'm not I'm not sure I don't know if I was or if I wasn't she was at she was at home so she was seeing it 
all okay. day, every day. Yeah. I wasn't. I went home pretty much every weekend. But um, I suppose it was a survival tactic. tactic because I'd also just secured like a dream job. Yeah, So I then didn't feel like I could say, oh, I... I can't come in today yeah. or you know it's that added pressure isn't it when people have booked a ticket to come and see meet you. with you yeah you it's very difficult to cancel that and just to mention for anyone that wouldn't be aware but I know of this because we've worked together for in many different capacities yeah the kind of appointment you're referring to is that someone has booked a one-to-one appointment mm. to have you do their makeup teach them how to do their makeup it's a very intimate one-on-one experience yeah. And I think anyone that has ever spent more than five minutes with you would vouch that you're a very giving person and you're also someone that everyone opens up to. I mean, God, you'd help me bury the body any day of the week. (laughs) I know that. Um, But at a time when you were going through this trauma and you were in a capacity that meant you had to give to so many different Mm. women and people... Mm. Where did you get your give from? Who was giving to you? Who was keeping you ticking along? I suppose it would have to be Simon. Yeah. He, you know, he's been my best friend since we were 15. And he yeah. he was brilliant in that time. I mean, I don't think we always got it right. I think that we both handled grief in very different ways. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was it was a confusing time for my friends. I remember often feeling very lonely and um I suppose the you know the downside of my job was that because I was away most of the week and then you know the it became our routine that on a Friday night whatever time I got home we'd pack an overnight bag order a pizza at Pizza Express in Blackheath Mm -hmm. drive from our flat pick up the pizza eat it in the car and drive to Gloucestershire often not getting there till kind of midnight on a Friday and then we'd stay there with mum over the weekend and then drive back late on a Friday evening a Sunday evening sorry yeah get back to London late and then I'd pack another bag and head off on Monday morning yeah so that meant that I actually wasn't that bedded or rooted down with my local friends here no because I wasn't around no and I think that did have a repercussion once mum died because my friends weren't we weren't in a habit of hanging out yeah often so for a kind of year I just wasn't very present and then I think that inadvertently meant that once mum died and we were not going to Gloucester every weekend we would we'd kind of fallen out of our social circle a little bit yeah and therefore felt even more lonely and isolated unfortunately and when she had passed Mm. um one of the things that you mention a lot Mm. when it comes to anniversaries Mm. um how did you I mean I would say first of all how did you navigate the first anniversaries but I know that that's always something that you're very you always handle very delicately Mm. when it comes to Mother's Day, when it comes to August, when it comes Mm. to those touch point moments, Mm. you always say that it's kind of a journey that never stops. Mm. Annoyingly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I love you for even knowing it's August, but August is generally a horrid month, which kill like, doesn't kill me, which makes me sad because it's a wonderful month of the year, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I find it very strange that Simon proposed to me on the 27th of August and mum died on the 27th of August. So it's... Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. So what what had been previously like a wonderful month of, oh, I remember in Tuscany, this wonderful time when you proposed, is completely tainted now because I, I hit the 1st of August and it's a bit like a grey cloud just sits above my heart and everything just feels a bit grim as you kind of, anyone who's lost will relate to this but you kind of relive every August I kind of relive that August of 2011 and kind yeah. of all the lasts and all the build-up to the day that she died and then all the trauma that followed after um the first anniversary was absolutely hideous I'm not gonna lie mm. um we'd agreed to go away to France and I was really torn about whether to go or not. Yeah. Um, and I was six months pregnant with Bear and I was quite uncomfortable and I, I just felt in that horrible... I was with people, but I was alone in this glass box. Yeah. Unable to kind of break out of it. And then, because my mum died at three o'clock in the morning and we all kind of stayed up by her bedside until then I kind of relived that night minute by, by minute. minute so I didn't sleep at all and then I couldn't get up in the morning it's very funny you should say that because years ago a friend of mine's parent had passed away and I said oh my gosh like I just feel so awful about it I don't even know how to bring it up to them and she said no like absolutely bring it up mm. they are probably taking note of who is bringing it up and like it's an important conversation to have and maybe they want you to ask so that they can talk to you mm. and I always thought about it really differently after that and um, I really try and make an effort if someone has someone unwell or has lost someone to really go out of my way to ask um, but what did people do? Did they bring her up? Was it something that was skirted away from? Like, how did everybody around you react to that loss? There were one or two people who really, who got it. Yeah. So I always credit my friend. We're like best friends from childhood. She doesn't live in London. Um, so we didn't see each other all the time, but she just never stopped texting me. Aww. Or calling, even if I didn't pick up, she'd leave a voicemail. Yeah. So I had something to listen to. Yeah. And honestly, that has stayed with me yeah. so much so that now I'll even make a note in my phone or put it in my calendar to text someone or to yes. whatever. Check because in. I'm like, I want to, I know the value of just getting a message from someone and just being like, oh my. They're it, thinking about me. Yeah. But in in the moment, it's not even that is it's not like oh they're thinking about it. it's like it's just oh they they really care yeah and that's so powerful because I think unfortunately because a lot of my friends didn't really know how to deal with it yeah they therefore kept their distance and that made me think they didn't care when they did they just didn't know how to show how me to that they cared it. and I think potentially you know in our culture there's possibly a slightly negative like well there's nothing I can do to help. So do you I know, even broach it? Right. Whereas I heard this quote that says, don't let what you can't do get in the way of what you can do. And it's like, right, no one could fix the fact that my mum had died. No one could fix the fact that, you know, inadvertently, sadly, a week later, I miscarried my long dreamt for baby. Yeah. Um, 
but someone could have come around and just helped me with the washing up. I didn't have the dishwasher at the time. Or yeah. someone could have popped around with a banana bread and said, you don't need to oh, cook, yeah. just have a bit of this. Do you know what I mean? So again, I've carried that with me. And, you know, when friends of mine have babies or go through hard times or whatever, I try and think of the the time the little things or the tokens that aren't necessarily life-changing but it's just uh I'm thinking of you I hope this helps in whatever little way and because you you had those two griefs so close together Mm. um and I'm really fascinated by grief because I think everybody grieves in such Mm. different ways Mm. um there's a podcast actually I love called the grief cast Mm -hmm. that I would recommend to anybody to listen to because it can be really lovely to just hear a journey of someone going through something similar Mm. which to your point doesn't change your loss or what you're going through but it can bring you comfort that someone understands Mm. do you find that those losses and that you've always been so open about them as well have meant that people open up to you a bit more or share their experiences with you? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. If ever I share anything about mum or about my fertility journey, my DMs go through the bonkers roof. with people either asking questions or sharing their story. Or yeah. um, And that's brilliant because we all want to be heard. Yeah. And feeling like you're not heard is a very lonely, isolating space. So to be able to recognise potentially some of the emotions and feelings that people going through similar feel and giving them a space to be like, oh my gosh, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how I felt or whatever. Um, It's a wonderful way in which we can use social Social media. media and, you know, Back in 2011, Instagram didn't exist. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't have a platform where I could read other people's journeys, but I couldn't put grief into the hashtags and see what came up. Do you know what I mean? And even things like quotes, I don't know. Like I didn't... You've shared some lovely quotes actually about your mum over the years. Like you'll put a picture that's a quote. Yeah. And some of them have been really lovely. Like one of them, um, I was looking at it this morning. I think you'd said, you taught me everything except how to live without you. Yeah. And I've even got a little card I carry, she carried in her wallet. That was from me. And I can't remember what it said on the front, but my handwriting on the back is, I just want you to know I love and appreciate you so much. I don't, I couldn't live without you or something. Mm. And I just never imagined I'd have to. Yeah. You know, because you don't, do you? No, you don't. Um, and, you know, if someone had said to me as a young person, like, what's the worst thing that could ever happen to you? I absolutely, without a shadow, I said, I'd be lost without my mum. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I still, you know, I feel a bit cheated. Everyone who's lost someone they love feels a bit cheated. Yeah. But um, especially for her, like I feel like with my sister and I married and my my sister had had two babies by, you know, in her lifetime. Like if anyone was destined to be a, the best granny in the world, yeah. it was your it mom. was her. And I feel like she would have flourished and found so much joy yeah. in being the best granny going and she was absolutely cheated out of that experience and I I haven't made my peace with that at all I was just about to say I mean I was thinking this is there a piece of advice you would give to someone going through a grief but 
Is it something you can give advice about? Is it something that you just go through? Like, what does the process of trying to find acceptance look like to you? Mm. Um, it's, it's like a proper roller coaster. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there is no manual to grief. No. And, you know, almost there is no right or wrong way of grieving. And we all grieve very differently. Um, but I would encourage people to talk. And if you don't feel you can talk to your friends and family, then do seek alternative methods of talking. Like I'm not ashamed to say that I had therapy like a year after my mum died. And it really, oh my goodness, it was absolutely a saving grace because I was struggling with this post-traumatic stress disorder following, literally it was all around the moment she passed away. And I hadn't been able to process that trauma at all because it was too big. Yeah. Um, So I had to go back and chip away at the hours before and after her death just to kind of to process it but the only way I could process it was to revisit it and it's almost my therapist would ask a question and I literally couldn't breathe like utterly choked couldn't breathe couldn't speak physical reaction complete physical reaction and um by spending six months you know breaking it down almost minute by minute has made it it's still traumatic but it's now manageable because it's been processed a little bit so I encourage you whether it's your mum your friend your dog if you are struggling with a loss don't be afraid to talk to someone and seek some help well I think that's a lovely note to finish on actually because Mm. one of the things I'd written in my notes to just remember to do is I thought to myself once everyone's listened to Hannah you're ju- I just know you're one of those people that everyone wants to talk to or reach out to. Even I always tell my sister where I'm going or what I'm doing. And I texted her this morning and said, I'm on the way to Hannah's. And she said, tell Hannah, I hope she's okay. I hope the kids are okay. <laughs> so, Love that. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, makeup or otherwise, mm. uh, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on the gram at Hannah Martin Makeup. That's probably the best way um, of reaching me. Um, and yeah, beware, you might get a voice note because <laughs> often often ladies and guys out there, it's just quicker than that's, writing a text. That's a risk you have to take <laughs> with me as well, but it's a good risk to have. And can I say, you know, I've bonded with women over DM around grief yeah and it's been really powerful actually yeah. so don't don't be a stranger if I can help I will well thank you I think you'll have probably helped just to give a moment of empathy to someone so thank you for sharing oh you're welcome babes Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode please leave a review and subscribe if you enjoyed it or even better just simply pass it on to a friend that you think would love to listen or maybe someone that would take some comfort from hearing Hannah's story I love hearing from you so message me at Rose Gallagher if you want to say hello have a lovely day and I'll speak to you next time bye